Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Momentarily, we'll hook up with Edmonton Oil Kings general manager, Kurt Hill. Kurt will be our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. And uh, we'll tell you at this time that uh, we were hoping to talk to Kurt on Thursday or Friday. But unfortunately, the season for the Edmonton Oil Kings came to an end on the weekend. In fact, Kurt was already back in Edmonton uh, by Saturday afternoon after the Oil Kings dropped uh, with an empty net, a 4-2 decision uh, to Hamilton. They scored with like one second left into the empty net. So we welcome back to the show. He was a regular guest of ours during the course of the season, the president general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Kurt Hill. Hi, Kurt. How you doing? Doing well, Bob. Just, uh, yeah, it's a clean-up day here at the rink today and exit interviews, so we're in the midst of that. Yeah, we appreciate you making time uh, uh, for us. Frustrating to see how it concluded for your team? Yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating. It's, it's hard. It's it, When you lose, you end up losing after you win a championship. It's a weird feeling. Like, it, it truly is. I mean, you, uh, all year, you know, I was, uh, over the past three years, been trying to build a team to not only win the Western League and but win a Memorial Cup, and um, you know, so it uh, puts it into perspective how hard it is even to get through the Western League and win. It was hard. It was a battle that last series and the Memorial Cup. Those teams are they're great hockey teams, and it's, uh, it's a game of inches, and it truly was down there. Well, and it's a different animal when you're talking about you know a round robin it's not a best of seven and and i do i i gotta tell you i have some empathy for you so here's where i'll make the 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 claim and people can assess it any way they want but you you guys went 42 12 and 10 during the 1920 season so you got you ended up getting 64 games in that year but you didn't end up finishing the season and you didn't get a chance to to have a playoff run and i believe given the makeup of your team that year that you probably could have played for a WHL championship. And that was mostly a homegrown team. And then the next season, which was last year, 2021, you know, you guys ended up in a scenario where you only played in the Central Division and you guys absolutely dominated. Like, it, it, it wasn't, you know, I think you ended up going 22-1 and one in a 23-game schedule. And that was almost an entirely Edmonton Oil King team, with the exception maybe of when you picked up Kate Oliver. This year was a different type of team where you traded some picks. So part of me thinks, you know, you might have been like, I'm not sure Hamilton or Shawinigan, the, the other respective league champions, get there in past years. Is it fair to say you might have been able to, to, to have played for three straight WHL championships in a row? Oh, I don't, I don't see any reason why not. I mean, we were pretty confident in those teams. I mean, even the year before that, we get to a couple wins away from playing it that year as well. And then, I mean, the teams, you know, going back to 2019. I mean, we were we had we had a kind of a down period. I remember that year in, in uh, the end of January, and then man, we just started playing some really good hockey heading into the playoffs that year. And you know, last year there was no doubt in my mind. Uh, you know, that bubble season we had a, we had a special group. You know, that group had been here for a long time. They had really learned how to start winning with some of those older players like Robertson and Cap, and you know, bringing in Oliver. I really thought that team was a team that could have won, and I was confident in that. And um, you know, this year we had to go and make a lot of a lot of moves and some splashes to get a little bit bigger and to add some some grit to our lineup and uh, 
you know, I've said it before, everybody we added, I think they played a pretty significant factor in, uh, in helping us bring a championship back to Edmonton. Uh, you went 50-14-4. You win the WHL championship. You lost Dylan Gunther. He scored 58 goals in the regular season and playoffs in 75 games. Is it? Are, are you still playing at the Memorial Cup if you have Gunther healthy? Well, you'd like you, you'd like to think so. I mean, at the end of the day, he's uh, when he was healthy in the playoffs, he was pretty much almost adding us a goal a game. Um, you know, and uh, he's a big piece of that top, you know, that top six, that top power play unit, and to adding production. And uh, you know, again, we knew the cards we were dealt with going in there. We would have loved to have them. Yeah, we would have. And you know, testament to those teams in there. Um, you know, we didn't get it done. They got it done, but he would have been a he would have been a huge addition for us. All right, so got there out with a lower body issue. Jake Neighbors was obviously compromised. The St. Louis Blues first round draft choice. Now that the season's over, what was he dealing with? Yeah, he was just nagging lower body injuries as well that he had kind of been uh, been dealing with through the playoffs and. Um, you know, it uh, never really just never was really able to get caught back up to, you know, where he had been earlier in the season. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a little bit for all these guys, you know, especially the players that have been a part of the Hockey Canada programming. Um, it's been a long grind. I mean, they've pretty much been going since last July straight. NHL like world like world junior camp there NHL camps it's been it's been a long long grind for those guys and I think some of them it caught up with them too did it say something that I think you can make an argument and you correct me if you think I'm wrong we're joined by Kurt Hill the president GM of the Edmonton Oil Kings Jackson Weeb was your best player I thought at the tournament and he's he's a third line left wing for you like does that is that fair do you think you know, probably from our from our forward group, I would say he probably. I mean, I I also thought that Demick had a really good tournament, just didn't really find ways to, to produce and get, and get you know score at the end of the day at that tournament. But I thought he had a really good tournament as well. But you know, from a production standpoint and everything he did, bringing you know emotion and energy to our group. I mean, he he just seemed to have a second win there, and I don't know if that's because he missed a little bit of the final there when he was dealing with an injury and um, just found a little bit of newborn life, but. Uh, he man he was he was very effective there and uh you know i thought the playoffs and i always knew once we made that deal i he was maybe not you know it would take him some time in a regular season just because he's gonna have to play on the edge and he's gonna have to play on emotion and once the playoffs came and especially at the memorial cup he was yeah one of our best guys you brought in kubasek from seattle he led the league in penalty minutes with 133 Weeb had 95 penalty minutes dahaniak had 79 Leipen had 78 your team was the most penalized team in the regular season uh you had the number one ranked penalty killing during the regular season but the one area that surprised me was your power play it was out, outside of the top 10 and you know what they say right kurt in a short tournament like that uh, a little bit of discipline and then special teams can can, can bite you um did you did you run you know how much did you think that kind of factored a little bit at times you guys chasing some games at the tournament yeah i think it did i i mean the tough thing again it's like you look at the penalties that were taken at the tournament and and you know the emotional calls and some of the things that were called there that we're not used to like at the end of the day when i look back making those accusations uh, those acquiring those players and then playing in the western hockey league playoffs we needed every single one of those guys to get through it we played Bingo. three heavy teams we needed lethbridge red deer and seattle those were heavy series and if we don't have those players we're not even in the memorial cup playing um but 
you know, the Memorial Cup, the officiating, it, it just, it's a little bit different. You have to find a way, you know, now seeing it and living it to play on the line and just knowing, you know, officials out there aren't refing it necessarily like the Western Hockey League in the playoff series where you just came out of with Seattle because it was, it was anything but that. So I think, you know, we had some calls go against us there that, uh, you know, warranted, maybe were probably calls. And, you know, then we, we find ourselves, you know, facing some pretty tough power plays and you know from our power play perspective you talk about that and yeah maybe not having Dylan Gunther and you know at different points of the year it didn't seem synced with maybe guys being gone to the world juniors in some different areas but you know at the end of the days our, our guys were there and uh, it was just the power play was just okay they didn't execute as uh, as much as we would have liked. Kurt in 0506 the University of Alberta hosted the University Cup and in the coaches meeting and I was the at that time the communications guy as well as the marketing guy for the tournament and I remember looking right at the the officials and I said you're not dictating what happens here and the the just the shock on their face this isn't about you this is about the players and i've oh that's one of the things that always concerns me a bit is the emotion and this is their opportunity to shine so they're going to sit there and nitpick and call stuff and it's and and make no mistake the bears were not built they won both tournaments but they weren't built that way like it's just you didn't need that to get out of the west you didn't need big heavy tough teams and i just sometimes it almost gets it's like are the players at this level do they end up being guinea pigs so that we can put through things and there's a real exasperating thing for me to deal with and there were moments where i was like yeah i don't like that call but you know and i wonder i also wonder sometimes kurt if the WHL is still seen as the Wild West in major junior circles, because I don't think it's like that anymore in the WHL. Do you think maybe some of that comes in uh, comes into being a bit, or do you think that's just completely out to lunch? No, I think I think that it's, it plays a factor. And I, again, I mean, we all us in the West here, we we love the Western Hockey League, we love the style of play, and you know, it's uh, it's just a little bit different. The playoffs here, playoffs are demanding. The travel's demanding. There's so many things about this league that uh, make this league what it is. But uh, you know, I mean, going there. I'm not saying that that was a huge factor. I mean, there was also some areas in that tournament where we did take some penalties that were untimely and very undisciplined at the same time. So it's, um, yeah, it's a fine line. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going against three teams of that tournament that are three good of the teams. best teams in the country. They're very good hockey teams. I looked at St. I I wrote down the ages of the teams before when I was sitting there in the press box one night, and St. John had 17. 19-year-olds and their team and three 20-year-olds. It's, it's, I mean, I thought we had an older team. We have 11 19-year-olds. So it's uh, they're very good hockey teams. They're all really well coached. And, uh, yeah, it just comes down to little tiny details at the end of the day. And, uh, yeah, there was a couple games we weren't, uh, we, we weren't the better team. You got an extra year out of Josh Williams in the Kemp trade. Uh, he's a 20. He's done. Uh, Carter Such, uh, whose father played at the University of Alberta, Mark Such. Uh, Josh had 82 points this year. Carter had 71. And we mentioned Kubasek, who was at the Oilers rookie camp uh, this past fall. He had 14 goals and 41 points, 133 pims. So those guys move on, and hopefully they get pro opportunities or they go to school. Uh, but I want to maybe talk a bit about the, the 19-year-olds and, and some of the guys that were the world, you know, Sebastian Kosin goal, uh, Caden Gooley on defense, Neighbors and Gunther as well as uh, sort of. Uh, do you think there's a chance a couple of those guys could be back with you this fall? 
Yeah, I mean, when you look at, I mean, they're all incredible players. I mean, I think that they're all going to have every opportunity and all have the capabilities to play pro hockey. And and there's no doubt in my mind, all those guys can play pro. I think at the end of the day, it's it's going to probably come down to more organizational decisions, like what do their depth charts look like, you know, contracts and burning years and some of those different elements that come in. But if you're going to ask me today, can they play pro? I think they're all ready to jump in and, and at least play in the American League. And uh, now it's just whether that's what's going to be best for their development or whether the team has uh, maybe too many assets and they have to send them back. How many conversations have already taken place between you and some of the respective managers with the draft picks that you have? In, in regards to the NHL general yeah, manager? Like have, you, have you talked, as an example, to Chicago on Jalen Lipen, or have you talked to uh, Bill Armstrong in Arizona and Gunther, or, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Doug Armstrong in yeah. St. Louis? Like, Has that yeah. already started to take place? Nothing significant. I mean, there's, there's, um, you know, throughout the playoffs, there's been some dialogue on just how the, the guys are doing, and you know, there's been dialogue that way. But uh, you know, that's kind of one of the things that will, you know, after the NHL draft will take place, things will start to speed up a little bit more on that. Uh, I know a lot of the teams are in their pro and amateur meetings right now, and uh, um, kind of once they get through the draft, I think they'll have a better indicator. Now you do have some 16-year-olds. You, you you stepped up and you, you made a trade. And I thought one guy that played pretty well for you after a quiet playoff was Cole Miller, uh, and you know he's he scored 19 goals and had 16 points in 48 games this year. He's a six foot four right shot center, uh, and he I guess he would have turned 17 in February. He's got he's got a chance to be a player, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He's uh, again, he's a good, solid two-way center. He skates really well. He's got size. You know, it's uh, it's a big summer for him. And you know, all those 16-year-olds that we had here, where they left today, understanding like, hey, it's you know, unfortunately, we for them, they only get they get eight weeks. And there's guys out there that are 16 that have been training for the last two months already, and they're a little bit behind. Um, but you know, they got to quickly turn the page here and. Uh, they get one week probably to rest, and they got to get right into their programs. <laughs> For them, it's going to be a quick turnaround. But uh, yeah, no. To, I guess to answer your question, Cole Miller was a he was a, he got better and better as it went on. And I think you're right. You know, watching the Memorial Cup, he he gave us more depth another depth player scoring for us there which uh, you know the depth of our team was uh, they had a really good tournament I'll give them that Kurt your team had a hell of a year uh, it, it was awful watching the reaction of the kids at the end like I just just seeing how you know absolutely devastated they were uh, I know there was great expectations and I, I have a feeling that it won't be the last time in your tenure that you'll have those guys back and, and, I, and I, I meant what I said you could have been there anyone in the last three years so I have a tremendous amount of empathy for uh, your group and your team right now. Thanks for joining us here on Oilers Now. Appreciate that, Bob. Thanks for everything all year. Yeah, you bet. That is Kurt Hill. He is the general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings. It's going to be an interesting season for to see where, like, I think Dylan Gunther and Sebastian Kosa could be back. And then Kurt's it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline going to have a decision to make. Uh, anyhow, we'll uh, take a quick time out and come back with this day in order's history. You're listening. 
uh, to Oilers now. Connor McDavid became the first player since the great Peter Forsberg back in 2002 to lead the NHL playoffs in scoring despite not playing in the Stanley Cup final. Let's go to List Day in Oilers history. It's brought to you all season long by New West Travel. Here's Brendan Escott. We'll go back to 2012. Ralph Kruger named the head coach of the Oilers, replacing Tom Rennie. Uh, the following season cut short by a work stoppage, you'll remember, and Kruger led the team to a 19-22-7 record. They finished third in the Northwest Division and missed the playoffs uh, in his only season behind an NHL bench. Was replaced by Dallas Aikens to start the next year and then left hockey for the English Premier League in February of 2014. Yeah, went to Southampton, then resurfaced with uh, Buffalo. That man should write a book. I know that there'd be a chapter in my book, all the stuff I knew that I couldn't say. Um, <laughs> just kidding. It's, it's a joke my friends have. Anyways, Ralph was a really intriguing guy. Um, and there's a case where, you know, I when I watched Ralph coach Switzerland, I was like, well, nobody can protect the 2 nothing deficit like Switzerland. But the fact is he he turned out to have some really interesting concepts in terms of how to, how to attack offensively. He had a really unique scheme on five-on-three he liked to deploy. And he was just he was one of those guys you could learn from. Different different guy, but uh, Dallas Aikens, obviously, uh, is new general manager now down in Anaheim. They both ended up getting head coaching opportunities after uh, ultimately leaving the Oilers organization. Dave Campbell is the guest uh, guest host tonight on Inside Sports. Is that correct, Brendan? Yeah, that's correct. You'll hear uh, more on the Avs Stanley Cup win and the Oil Kings disappointment at the Memorial Cup. You also get an episode of Elks this week at 7.30 with Morley Scott. Better performance, you think, this week from uh, the Elks against Calgary? Yeah, it's one foot in front of the other. We knew it would be a long process back, and I know that fans in the Edmonton market are tired of the P word, but patience is probably needed in a rebuilding season. Well, I mean, they they had a little bit of a run in the mid-2000s. Man, it's been interesting, right? Going Danny Machocha, Kavis Reed. Uh, And then into Chris Jones, and then Jones leaves. We end up with Jason Moss. uh, and then, I mean, there's, uh, geez, I, I, what, I'm sorry, I totally drawn a blank. Brendan, what was the head coach's name last year? Jamie Elizondo. Jamie, El- yeah. And there were lots of guys that, re- when Brock Sunderland brought him in, there were a lot of guys that liked him and thought he was a good offensive mind. Uh, Jones is known more as a defensive specialist, and guys will tell you, you want to turn around a football team, the fastest way to do it is on defense and special teams and start there. And of course, <laughs> Got to have a quarterback. It's kind of like having a goaltender in hockey. Tomorrow, man, oh, man, we're going to talk a bit about the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche and how they built and how close Edmonton and Toronto are to Colorado and Tampa. James Myrtle from the Athletic out of Toronto and Sportsnet's Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing Alberta. Live thoroughbred racing back at Century Mile Racetrack Friday and Saturday. Free parking, free admission, more info at thehorses.com. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by Angela Coquat from 2 to 3, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoons, Monday through Friday with Jalen I. Back at you noon tomorrow. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.